Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open up your Bibles this morning. We're going to be going to the book of Hebrews, okay? The book of Hebrews. I'll give you the chapter in just a moment. But this morning, we're going to be talking about losing weight for Jesus, okay? Jesus has a great weight loss program, okay? Uh, I know some of you say, you know, well, I, I really need it or I don't need it or I don't. Listen, today you are going to want to participate in this weight loss program. It is a dynamic weight loss program that works for everyone. So today we're going to talk a little bit about losing weight for Jesus. And, and you know, before we get there, let me tell you where we are today in history. According to the Hebrew calendar, today is the seventh day of all. What in the world does that mean, the seventh day of all? Follow me if you will. And some of you who don't like this kind of historical thing or you know what I mean, you know, take a little nap for the moment, okay? Uh, because some of the others really eat it up. I'll get to something you like in a moment, all right? I promise, okay? Seventh day of all. We are in what, uh, uh, you know, what are called the days of all. And it's leading up to the Day of Atonement on the Hebrew calendar for the yearly calendar that God set. On sundown, at sundown, this coming Wednesday, we'll begin the Day of Atonement. will be the Day of Atonement. Uh, and for you Gentiles out here, let me catch you up a little bit on what God ordered and what God expected. They were not suggestions in the Bible, okay? These were holy and sacred commands of God. Uh, and God was not then, he is not now, a leave it or take it kind of God. God expects to be obeyed. God expected the children of Israel under the law of Moses to observe these things every year. And uh, he was and he is very serious about what it takes to please him. You know, God is still very serious. Even though we are in a time of grace and we are not under the law of Moses, yet God remains serious about what it takes to please him. There are living at peace with God and for entering into God's heaven when we die. It's God's heaven, okay? And we need an invitation. Now, under the law of Moses... God required his children to observe several feasts. One of them was the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets just began seven days ago. And now, with the Feast of Trumpets, we enter into the days of awe for ten days before the Day of Atonement. At the Feast of Trumpets, the Jewish rabbis teach that on that day, just seven days ago, that God writes your name in either the book of life or the book of death. This morning, whenever I greeted Saul, who is, uh, you know, a natural Jew by birth, he said to me, Bokotov. I said to him, Bokotov, which is, you know, good morning, you know. Uh, Manishma, how you doing? Whatever. And then he said to me, what the common greeting is, he said, may your name be written and sealed in the book of life. Wow. You see, this is common. 
It's going on today all over Israel and around the world that people under the understanding of the Old Testament, which many people have not been born again and have not had a New Testament experience, and so they are left the best that they can reach is an attempt to please God by observing and doing things that he has written under the law of Moses that should be done. And the hope is that, that seven days ago, God wrote my name in the book of life. But if I hadn't been good enough, if I haven't, if, if last year I didn't please God, then the tradition, the teaching is, is that my name would have been written in the book of death and that this coming year, bad things, not good things, would, have, would, 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 would be in destiny, you know, I, I would be in store for. And these 10 days of awe is a window that I have to change God's mind. And so in, in Israel today, there is a lot of repenting and returning and doing good works and giving alms. And a lot of people are trying to make sure that they are good in the eyes of God for these 10 days because these 10 days is the only chance they have to change God's mind about them and write their name in the book of life instead of the book of death. And then on the day of atonement, it's sealed. Three days from now, the day of atonement, it will be sealed. Whatever God says about you, it is sealed. Wow. Your name is either written in the book of life or it's written in the book of death. Today, right now, let me, I, it doesn't matter whether you're under the law of Moses or under the law of Buddha. It doesn't matter whether you're a Hindi or a, or a, a, you know, a Muslim or a Christian or an, or an atheist. Today, your name is written in either the book of life or the book of death right now. Doesn't matter what you believe, who you believe, who you follow, if you don't believe in anybody or anything, your name today is written either in the book of life or the book of death. Either you are on your way to heaven or your way to hell today. There, 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 there is no standby list. There is no waiting list. There is no other. Okay? Now, since Moses, the rabbis have been teaching that the beginning of the new year, each year with the Feast of Trumpets, also called Yom Teruah, which is the Feast of the Blowing of the Trumpets, known uh, in, in, in recent uh, centuries as, uh, uh, as uh, Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. The Jewish rabbis teach you have 10 days to make up your mind, whether you're going to obey God, serve him, please him, and, 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 you know, and, 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 and have your name in the book of life. Well, as Christians, we don't teach you have 10 days. We teach you have one lifetime. It's still a period of time, but we still teach you have one lifetime. Between the time that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary, between the time you are born and the time that you die is your 10 days of awe. And at any moment, the door can close. And either your name is written in the Lamb's book of life or, you know, or the book of death. We hope that these 10 days of awe, which we are in today, we are in the seventh day, I said, the 10 days of awe, we are hoping that in this awesome life that God has given you, in your lifetime, that you make a decision to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when you do, the blood of the Lamb will be 
shed upon your life and you will be sealed not just for a year but you will be sealed for eternity may your name be written and sealed in the Lamb's book of life and this is the message that we are going around the world as believers in Jesus Christ trying to get people to do during the days of awe and we should be in awe almighty God has given his son for us and he's sending him again and there is a day of atonement that is coming and on that day the, the, the door will be closed the book will be closed please I pray your name is written and sealed because the day of atonement is coming on the 10th day of the day of awe is the day of atonement wow and you're either lost or you're saved when God closes the books okay well uh, each year from Moses to Jesus, God commanded the children of Israel to observe this feast and these feasts. They were dress rehearsals for an event to come. And we know that there are yet some events to come. We should be reminded and we should have respect for what God instituted so that we can look at these things and understand what God is still going to do through Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. And one day, he will step on the scales for you and he will atone with his own blood. On the day of atonement is when the, the high priest determined by casting lots which two of the goats would be killed as a sacrifice and which one of those two would be sent out into a wilderness with the sins? He would sacrifice one and put the blood on the altar for the sins of the people whose names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And he would then lay his hands on that scapegoat and send him out. You can read about it in Leviticus. Jesus did both of those things for us. Okay? He buried our sins and he's given his blood for our salvation. What a picture. What a picture. Amen. So, in respect to the current days of all this year and, and in respect to the grace of God, because we're not under the law of Moses, we, we're under the grace of Jesus Christ, in that respect, okay, that he delivered us from the penalty of death, let's talk just a little bit this morning about why he did it. It's called sin, okay? Specifically this morning, we're going to talk about besetting sin. What in the world is besetting sin? Well, have you found the book of Hebrews yet? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, now, Hebrews chapter 12 comes on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11, right? Y'all, you can count, 11, 12, okay? Well, Chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It's the chapter where all the giants of faith like Rahab and, and, you know, David and Gideon and Samson, you know, all these giants of faith, you know, that we read about that, that did great things because they trusted God above their circumstances and they gave God their life and they gave God a chance to work through their life. And so God working through their life, they became giants of faith. And we read Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, this one and by faith, that one. 
one and by faith that one and through faith this one and through faith. And boy, by the time we get finished with chapter 11, man, we are so overwhelmed with all of this faith, with all of these people that trusted God. And man, they were like giants. They were just normal people, but they trusted God. They trusted him. Even in their situations or circumstances, whatever they went through, they went through a lot, but they trusted God. Well, when we get to Hebrews chapter 12, these giants of faith are inspirations to us all. And verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Seeing that we just read about all these people, and man, they are a great cloud. We're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Losing weight for Jesus. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, besetting sins. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before us endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, uh, look with me again in verse 1, okay? Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Okay? Now, it can be difficult to run a race carrying a barbell. In fact, as I was thinking about what I could do to demonstrate this, I almost went and got two or three barbells to have a mock race this morning. <laughs> So that people could pick up the barbells and we could see them race around the church carrying barbells. Okay? To see how ludicrous it is to carry so much weight in life when we are trying to run a race, when we're trying to win. And I thought I could get one of them, I could tell one of them, listen, what I want you to do, you know, while everybody's struggling, I want you to lay yours aside, cast it off, and let's watch and see in a visual, boom, you go out and, and just ask how wonderful it is to lay aside the weight when you're running a race. But I thought they'll drop it on the concrete floor. God, God wants us. It's his, it's his desire. He's telling us how to win in life. It's his desire that we lose a little weight for Jesus. It's his desire that we unburden ourselves and put aside those things which hold us down and slow us down and make us inefficient and make us ineffective in, 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 in this race. And some of these weights, some of these heavy burdens, number one is the past. Hello? Do you know how heavy the past can get? Huh. Sometimes it can burden us down so that we can't run our race because we're carrying this barbell with us from the past. By the way, it does not have to be sin to slow you down. Okay? It can just be weight. Hurts. Disappointments. Disappointments in yourself and in, 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 in what you didn't do or did do or disappointments, you know, in others. Uh, losses, whether caused by you or experiences. These things can be heavy weights. Regrets. The hauntings of 
what I should have done or what I should not have done. It doesn't have to be sin. It can just be weight. Regrets, hurts, losses slow us down. The past. Another one of the heavy burdens in life can be the present. It's not just the past that weights us down. Sometimes the present weights us down. Sometimes distractions in life can weight us down. Do you know that if the devil cannot make you bad, the next thing he tries is to make you busy? If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And if he can't defeat you, he will defeat someone whose defeat will defeat you. Don't let anybody else's defeat defeat you. You know, the present, oh my goodness, it can be such a weight. You know, you might have to think ahead in order to realize that you're carrying a lot of worries around with you and concerns that you really don't have time for and can't be solved anyway. You can't cross bridges before you get to them. Some of you are attempting to carry so many worries and concerns that you don't have time to sit down at the feet of Jesus like Mary did, but rather you're doing what Martha did, cumbered about with so many things in life that I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to spend time with my family, my friends. I'm carrying so much weight. I'm so busy. How many of you, the answer to someone complaining to you has been, I'm busy? Whenever someone says, you know, you haven't spent time with me, I never get to see you, you don't come over, you don't call, you know, and you say, well, I'm busy, okay, maybe you need to take a step back and say, okay, I need to reevaluate here because these heavy weights might keep me from winning the race that Jesus wants me to win instead of carrying these heavy weights while I'm running all the time. Heavy-mindedness, overworked, underappreciated, left behind, all of these present heavy weights. Not only is the present and the past await, but the future can be await. You know, don't allow the future, a fear of the future, rob you of your peace and your joy. As I said, you may have to think ahead, but you can still only take one step at a time. Don't let worries about the future weigh you down to the point to where you cannot be efficient and effective in running the race that Jesus wants you to run. What if you spent all of your life climbing a ladder only to get to the top and realize it was leaning against the wrong building? The past, the present, the future. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about and surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and... The sin which doth so easily beset us. Do you know this word beset in the Hebrew? It means hanging around. It means standing close, to stand close. It means to well encircle or to skillfully surround. Skillfully surrounding. Do you know that there are some sins that are skillfully surrounding you? There are some sins that are hanging around. There are some sins that wherever you go, they encircle you, waiting to jump on you. Okay? Those are besetting sins. Sins which easily ensnare you because they're around you all the time. It's like trying to run a race in a long skirt, guys. It's real tight. 
These are the things that trip us up. Besetting sins. What do we mean by besetting sins? Well, let me give you a few examples of these besetting sins that kind of are hanging around or standing close or well encircled. Um, I've, I've, I've given each one of them a kind of name. Forgive me if, if, if it's not the best. I went back and renamed them about 11 o'clock last night, something on that line. Okay. And so um, just after you guys, you know, went to bed and I didn't even say good night. I'm sorry I didn't say good night to you last night. I was busy minded. Sorry, one of those heavy weights I should have laid down. The first one, the first besetting sin, I'm going to call temperamental sins. Do you know that there are some sins that you are more susceptible to just because of the temperament you have? That the person around you is not that susceptible. But we are predisposed to some sins because of our natural temperament. Me? I, I am predisposed to the spirit of short fuse. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but it seems like this thing hangs around, well encircles me, it skillfully surrounds me to the point to where I have to really be on guard not to get angry, not to be soon angry. You know, I don't know, maybe some of you don't experience that. I, I, I it's, it's a besetting sin. It's a sin that can ensnare me if I'm not watchful. I have to lay it aside quite a lot. Cast it off. Push it away. Some people don't. That's, you know, it's, it's my temperament. You know, your temperament, you might be lazy. Hello? Come on, you know lazy people. If you don't know anybody that's lazy, you're lazy. You're the one watching everybody else work. <laughs> selfish. Same thing with selfishness. If you don't know a lot of selfish people, you have a problem. Greed. Negativity. Pessimism. Gossiping. Being critical. Judgmental. Contentious. These are all temperamental sins. These are things that some people are predisposed to that other people may not wrestle with, but it surrounds you and wherever you walk, you have to watch out for it because it can trip you up. Okay? This is good stuff, huh? Come on now. Where else can you go and get a message like this for only a quarter? I saw what you put in the offering plate. <laughs> Temperamental sins. Second one, I call these occupational sins. Sins that you're predisposed to are exposed to because of your occupation. Okay? Do you know that... Many people have to work away from home or to have to work with people of the opposite sex and it provides them a little more sin-filled opportunities. Come on now, we're adults, we're in big church, okay? It may not hinder you, but there may be some occupational sins you have to watch around. Stealing from the workplace, stealing in the workplace. If you run a cash register and they don't keep an account, there's an occupational opportunity to take a little... You work at a plant, you know, hey, I need some copper wire at my house, okay? Occupational, professional sense. Come on, don't look at me like this has never happened. <laughs> it's a sin to steal. Lying, cheating, taking bribes. Occupational hazards for some people, okay? I can't tell you the number of people that I have stopped who were speeding, who offered me something to not give them a ticket. It came with the job. 
besetting sins. Sins that encircle you because of your temperament or because of your occupation. Or number three, old life sins. You know, sins that we were familiar with before we got saved and we're, you know, we're, 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 we're very familiar with and so they're old life sins. Sins, I mean, come on, uh, premarital, extramarital sex and all of a sudden you get born again. It's hard to stop that one. It's kind of well encircles you. Again, you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, those four people that are listening to me, I got your number. This was all for you. None of these people even know what I'm talking about. This is for you, okay? There are some sins that you used to do in your old life that you had a habit of doing, you enjoyed doing, and, 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 and you had pleasure in doing, and you got born again, and now you look around and they're still circling you. Cussing. Drugs, racial prejudice, come on now, good stuff, hating your enemies, things that you did in your old life that was sin in your old life, but you get born again and now these things are well encircling you, they're surrounding you. I mean, it's almost my goodness everywhere I look, this is still, I mean, this, I shouldn't be this way. And they trip you up when you're running a race. Okay, we have the temperamental sins, which can beset you. We have the occupational or professional sins, which could be a snare, which you may face that other people may not face. You have, you know, old life sins that, you know, are just familiar. And, you know, you may have had a habit doing them, you know. You know, on the Internet, you know, pornography. All those things we don't want to talk about in church. Just sit there and go, la, la, la. Number four, circumstantial sins. Okay, now bear in mind, I coined these terms last night, so you won't be able to Google and find out what they are. Uh, so uh, I get to define them. Circumstantial sins are sins that are situational or circumstantial. That means that, that something comes along and presents an opportunity and it encircles you like, oh my goodness, I don't have any money, I lack of money, or, 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 or my relationships are going south. And, 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 and so instead of letting those things go south, I have a failing business, so I'll compromise a little bit here, or I'll do a little bit something here because of the circumstances. We don't understand it's because and when and, and 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 when you get caught doing it you go yeah but because well you don't understand I, I you know I I didn't have enough money to pay my you know so I did this or I did that you know circumstances these are besetting sins they encircle us you know I had to do this because so again Hebrews 12 Verse 1, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all these faith giants who faced, you know, faced their problems and yet they kept trusting and obeying God, you know, well, let us also lay aside all these weights, past, present, and future, the things, the heavy things we're carrying that may not be sin, but they're, but they're heavy, they're a burden. And also let us lay aside the besetting sin, the sins which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Endurance is what that word means. Run with endurance. Keep on. How can you keep on whenever you have heavy burdens? How can you keep on running whenever, you know, the familiar sins are just, you know, 
It's talking to you all the time, so close to you, you know. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus. It's because we have a different focus. We decide we're going to focus somewhere else. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me encourage us this morning to lay aside our heavy weights. Do you have a weight of the past, present, or future that's just weighing you down and keeping you from running the race efficiently and effectively? Lay it aside. How do you do that? Look to Jesus. You know, look to Jesus. How do you do that? You endure hardships. How do I, do, do I free myself from the trap of these very convenient sins that are encircling me in my race? I keep my eyes on Jesus. I endure hardships as necessary. And I focus on the finish line. Put your trust in Jesus. Call upon Him. He endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself. That's what He continues to tell us. And He showed us how to do it. Keep your eye on the goal. Jesus is with you. He'll help you every time you call on Him.